Hey everybody, for this week's message we had Bryn Waddell from City Revival Church in Kannapolis, North Carolina come visit us and share a powerful word on waiting on the Lord. He spoke about the word that Yahweh gave Abraham and Sarah and how they had to trust in that word and wait for it to be fulfilled in their lives. It was a great message and an awesome time of ministry and I can't wait for you to hear it this week. Well, it's a joy to be with you today. You can be seated. I, um, I uh, did not come here to speak to you. Um, I just really came to say thank you. Uh, y'all gave me some money. <laughs> and uh, and uh, uh, I, told, uh, I, call, I told your pastor, I said, I just want to come in town. And I was going to do it, just come and show up and just see him and say thank you. But I, did, I didn't want to fly all the way here. I'm a Carolina boy. I live in North Carolina, just north of Charlotte. And I didn't want to come all the way here and then drive over here surprised. And they go, we didn't have church today. We had a fall festival or something. I was like, oh, well, great. <laughs> so I told him, I said, I want to come down there and just tell your people thank you for their generosity toward my house and my family and I. <clears throat> and... Um, he said, well, why don't you preach, too? And I said, okay. <laughs> um, so he's the reason I'm speaking to you today. All I wanted to do, my driver, Sam, this morning said, Pastor Joe must have had a blank. He didn't have anything to say, so he said, <laughs> yeah, I'm getting Sam in trouble, too. So he invited me to speak to you. And I said, well, if I'm going to go speak to people that were generous to me, I'll at least put, try to put a jacket on and look presentable to you. But um, I'm extremely grateful for your kindness towards my house and myself, my wife. I am a little, I, we'll just get to know each other, okay, since we know each other. I'm 38, I have three children, uh, nine, six, and four. Our oldest girl is named Jocelyn Grace. My wife's name's Jennifer. We were high school sweethearts. And I went off to Bible college and broke up with her because I was called of God. <laughs> you know, I was called by God to touch the nations, and she was holding me back <laughs> from the plan of God. And uh, I ended up moving back home, and I said, no, I was just an idiot. And so we married, and uh, we got married. And... Um, we have three beautiful children, Jocelyn, who's nine, Jocelyn Grace, Grayson Olivia is our little girl, middle girl, she's six, and then my, my legacy boy came last, his name is Silas Jedediah, he means, uh, Silas means a man of the woods, and Jedediah means beloved of God. And so my legacy boy is four years old, and if he were here today, he would consistently try to punch every person in this room just for fun over and over and over again. Son, stop punching people. I just constantly have to tell him that. And um, so we, we'll see what's in his future. If he's, if he's a big boy like his dad, maybe he can do a little MMA fighting or something, a little preaching too. We'll know. We'll see what happens. So... Um, we, uh, we, uh, we're honored, I'm honored to be here, and um, I could say thank you a thousand times for your kindness and generosity, but I'll just say it one or twice, two, I mean two or three times, or ten, and I hope you hear my heart in that. About nine years ago, <clears throat> I moved back to my hometown uh, there in North Carolina and took over my, the church I grew up in as a boy. Um, I have only ever had one church my entire life and one pastor my entire life, besides my now apostle, which came later in life. But my church I grew up in as a boy was pastored by my grandfather for 40 years. He pastored our church. He decided to step down when he was 74 years old. He was in health. Actually, as we speak, He's sort of in some of his final moments. He's about to see Jesus face to face. And so um, he pastored for 40 years where we were. I grew up in that church just like these little kids running around in here. I literally ran around in the building that I 
I pastor. I was joking with Pastor Joseph last night. I said, sometimes it gets tough because I pastor people who changed my diapers. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's always fun sitting in meetings with people who change your diapers, and you tell them, you're wrong. And they go, boy. You go, okay. So, uh, so I pastor, uh, so I, I was able to take the church. My grandfather pastored for 40 years. His health began to fail a little bit. The church was in a very interesting position. And nine years ago, I moved back home. I was a part of a ministry in Alabama. Um, I know there's some Tide fans in here today. Look at this. Unbelievable. Listen, guys. I thought this was the year that Georgia was going to beat them. But then I realized it's like a son playing his dad when he's, you know what I mean? Old Daddy Saban's just got their number, don't he? So I moved home nine years ago, ten years ago, excuse me, almost ten years ago. And I decided to take our church. Our church was, was in a lot of uh, tough positions financially, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Had a lot of debt. When I took over the church, it was nobody's fault. It was just the condition of what it was. My grandfather's health had been failing. They were debating whether they could buy toilet paper every week or not to, for the facility. And I didn't take a salary for two years, traveled and did some things. Paid off every debt we owed any person. I wrote, hand letter, I wrote handwritten letters to every person and company we owed money to and paid every dollar we owed them back. I restored, thank you. I restored the name of our church and our community so we could boldly say we owe no man nothing but to love him. And the Lord has helped us tremendously. And as I did that, then the Lord gave me freedom to change the name. of. Once I restored the name of our church, the Lord gave me freedom to rename our church. And now our church is called City Revival Church, and it's doing amazing. I'm a tough guy to listen to a lot, so a lot of people come, a lot of people go. And uh, so, but we have a blast, and we are rebuilding our whole facility. I really feel like uh, I'm almost like Nehemiah rebuilding the walls. And uh, I've been doing it for nine years, and we're going to do it until God tells us to stop or we get it done. And uh, it's been an amazing journey for us to do it. And uh, <clears throat> it's so interesting, so many parallels of what I'm doing and what Pastor Joseph is doing here in this building. I'm in a separate facility while our larger sanctuary is, is needing repairs. I'm in the same position. It's just really cool how the Lord is. Hey, everybody. The Lord puts for this week's together, message, you know I mean? we had Bryn Waddell and, uh, from City Revival Church in Kannapolis, so North Carolina. We're having a great time up in North Carolina. a powerful it. word the on waiting here, on the Lord. We were in a tent. He spoke about the word that Yahweh doing, gave Abraham uh, and, and Sarah we and how they had way. to trust in that word and wait and, uh, for it to be fulfilled in their uh, lives. It was a great message. And an awesome time of ministry, and I can't wait for you to hear it this and week. Then, uh, then <laughs> no, no, no. And then, uh, then Apostle D, as I call him, or Apostle Damon, came up and shared a powerful word with you. So just grateful to be here, and I'm honored to be here to share with you this morning. And uh, it's just fun to get to know each other, you know what I mean? And I had fun last night uh, eating with your pastor and we talked a little while, and I cried, you know. We talked about Jesus, and I started crying, and he just looked at me and said, that's good. I said, well, I guess I'll try to eat this food instead of cry the whole time. So so it's just awesome, awesome to be here and really a joy to be able to just just come. And last time, I'm going to say it, but I just want to tell you thank you one, one more time for your kindness and the word of the Lord. I will tell you this. It's a very interesting story. The service that your pastor was in, that, uh, and I want to say this to encourage someone, the service that your pastor was in, in uh, where the Lord spoke to him to sow into us what we were doing in North Carolina, and we're, we're a very small church, and when the Lord spoke to him, he didn't know this, I just want to say this to encourage somebody, but I, the Lord had spoken to me, there was a young man leading worship in that service, and uh, I love to give things away, it's a love language of mine. And one day I'm gonna I'm gonna give away houses. 
I'm not there yet. I'm only at the vehicle level right now, but one day I'm going to give away houses. And there was a young man leading worship in the service that we were in in Georgia. I realize I'm only looking at this side. Let me, let me look over here a little bit. There, there's a, there was a young man leading worship in, in the service we were in together in Georgia. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I want you to give. I, have a, uh, I, have a, I had a, a Lexus that I really liked. And uh, been, I, I call her Lexi. She's my girlfriend. And uh, I had a little Lexus that I really liked. I didn't drive it every day. I just used it for travel and I had another vehicle over there. But I love that vehicle. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I want you to give that to that young man. And he didn't have a vehicle. Very anointed young man, leading worship. Didn't come from much. And um, the Holy Spirit told me, said, I want you to give him your car. I want you to tell him tonight. And then you get the title together and everything. Very, very unknowingly to me is that the night I was giving my vehicle away, God was speaking to your pastor about sowing into me. So I just say that to encourage somebody. I know some people, some people hear sowing and reaping and they think it's preacher tricks. But I live by this. this is, that was, the, I think, the fourth vehicle, third or fourth personal vehicle I've given away. And when I gave it away, the Holy Spirit told me, he said, You'll, your children will always have something to drive. I will always provide. As you've given in kind, I will sow back to you in kind. And so I just want to encourage you as the Holy Spirit speaks to you in whatever avenue it is, when God speaks to you to sow, to give, to be generous, you never know who God is dropping your name into. He's dropping your name into their heart to turn around and sow back into you. And so I gladly, especially when Pastor Joe called me, I said, I gladly give this car away. <laughs> and so uh, it's always fun to be able to, uh, to see God work on your behalf in these little moments where God kisses you almost and says, I'm with you, I'm for you, I have your back. And these little moments of, uh, of God doing that are just phenomenal, aren't they? All right. Let's open up the scriptures real quick. I'll share with you real quick. How much time I got, Joseph? Huh? Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. I don't care. Let's open to Genesis chapter number 12, and we'll, we'll just talk a little bit this morning. Genesis 12, and then I will, I'll share with you out of my heart a little bit some other things. And then we'll, I'll let you go. I love some of those songs this morning, worship team. Y'all did an amazing job. Show them some love. Yeah, it's good. Love it, man. Love it, love it, love it. Let's go to Genesis chapter number 12. And I'm reading out of the New King James, whatever you may be reading out of. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see what the Lord has to say to us today. Yes, 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 yes. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. When we read these things, we... we so often let the magnitude of what is being said to a single man slip our mind. Abraham's a man just like you and I, human just like you and I. And the God of all creation is now talking to him and telling him things that are infinitely powerful. It's one thing for a person to say great things about you. It's another thing for God to mark you and tell you some things about your future that are way bigger than you could possibly think. And he looks at this man and he says, I am going to make you, he tells a single man, I'm going to make you a nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. And you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. 
So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And then Abram took his Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran. And they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan, and Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Morah. And the Canaanites were then in the land, and then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants will I give this land. I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. This journey with Abraham, with Abram is funky. It begins with this amazing promise, personal promise, but then he begins to tell him something of what we in our little kingdom family call generational legacy. And he begins to tell this, this man, I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make a nation out of you. But the land that you're standing on, I'm actually going to hand to your descendants. That this is not simply about you, that the promises I'm handing you simply are not about you, you or your lifetime. This is bigger than what you can accomplish. This is bigger than what you can do. This is bigger than what you will be able to fulfill in your lifetime. There's something I want to do that goes beyond you. I want to make you, your life count more than just the 70, 80, 90, 100, 120 years you have on this planet. There's something I want to do that lives beyond you that then begins to impact people you'll never see. The psalmist would say it like this, that there is a generation that is not yet born that will praise him. And that we as a people of God are intended to declare the works of God to our children's children's children. He even told the children of Israel, I want you to sit them down. I want you to sit your children down. And at moments you tell them what I've done. You tell them the faithful history of my faithfulness. You take your time and sit with your children and speak to them of how you've seen the mighty hand of God pull you out of one place and put you in another. You speak into their ear what you have seen God do. Woo. That it may establish something in their heart. And that one day your God will become their God. And he gives Abram a promise and he says, I plan to give the land you are standing on today to a generation beyond you. I plan to give something to a group of people you have not yet seen. Or maybe you do see them but they're running around playing with dinosaurs during the worship time. I plan to hand something to another generation and God gives him this promise and Abraham is 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 debating about this promise because he's realizing I'm I'm getting up there in age he's starting to wonder I'm, I'm okay I'm, I'm 75 I don't have any uh, if you if you continue to read down we'll jump we'll jump over into Genesis 15 here in a minute but he's starting to wonder and he says I don't I don't have any heirs in my my house he even goes to ask the Lord, he says, could you, could you make Eleazar my servant? Could you, could you this, this generational thing that you want to pass down, would you be willing to give it to Eleazar my servant? Because I don't have any, I have no posterity in the earth. I don't have any legacy to speak of. And, and there's, there's, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. And there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a relationship here that Abram or Abraham has with time. That, that must be dealt with. And he, he, begins, to, he begins to wonder, is this, is this really going to happen? And he asks the Lord, and then let's jump over, let's jump over to Genesis 15, and we'll talk for just, just a minute. In Genesis 13, he inherits the land of Canaan, and he tells him again, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give this to you and your descendants. And so let's jump to, to chapter 15, though. Genesis chapter 15, we're going to start in verse... Um, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. Uh, let's just start in verse 1. Some of you hadn't read the Bible all week. Let's just start. Let's just get a little Bible reading in. You want to? Huh? We'll, give you, we'll do a little preaching and your devotional time all in one. How about that? You want to? But I want you to see the magnitude of this promise that, that God has given Abraham. He told him, you're a man. 
But out of you I'm going to make a nation. And there is a land that your people will inherit. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, chapter number 15, and he said, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Again, the Lord speaking to him. But Abram said, and here we go. Abram said, Lord, God, what will you give me seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. Then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Again, we've got another promise immediately in the middle of something that looks like an impossibility. God takes a single, again, we're not, Abraham is not a father of the faith at this point. He's a man living in the earth who God gives a promise to. We now call him our father of faith. And in our eyes, he's a superhero. But here, he's just a man hearing from God just like you and I. And he says, God has told me I'm going to be a nation. But how can I be a nation when I have nothing? There's no natural reason this is going to be possible. And the Lord comes to him again and says, beyond the realm of human possibility, I will make sure my word comes to pass. A little, just a little. God, God has so much faith in his own word that he can tell a virgin she will conceive without ever knowing a man. And when she says how, he says the Holy Ghost. The Lord has so much faith in his own word that he does not live bent on the laws of human activity. He does not have to have human interaction in, in, in some cases for his word to come to pass. He does, but he doesn't. Do you understand what I'm saying? In this Where a woman can say, I've never known a man, and he can say, it's okay. My word is filled with such power, purpose, and is pregnant with possibility that I can go beyond the realm of human science to change something in your biology. If my word can get in you that deeply, I can literally take a virgin and make her pregnant in a moment. How? The Holy Ghost. And he tells Abraham, I'm going to give you a son from your own body. And Abraham's going, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's good. I'm going to do it. What I love about the Lord is he doesn't justify his word. He doesn't make it safe for our consumption because of our circumstance. He just tells you what he's going to do right in the middle of it looking like it's impossible. I can't. I'm, we're too old. Sarah's getting up there in age, Lord. I used to be able to throw... Can I have fun with you? I'll even go old school. I used to be able to throw on the Luther Vandross. It doesn't work like that anymore, Lord. <laughs> okay, a little tension. A few laughs and a little tension. Okay. I feel it. I got it. A few chuckles, a little tension, a few, a few chuckles that don't want to chuckle. They're a little. Sh <laughs> Me and Mama don't have it like that anymore, Lord. <laughs> Lord. Lord. You do understand what you're saying, right? Boy. See, it's good for me to come. I'll loosen y'all up a little bit, huh? I feel y'all a little bit, uh-huh, some, some back here gets a little tighter, just sit up a little bit, it's okay, we're going to make it, we're going to land this plane, everybody calm down, okay, the Lord gives him this amazing promise, I'm going to make you a nation, I'm going to give you a son, <clears throat> and Abraham really is amazing in this regard, because let's, let's, let's read on where the scripture says, then, verse number 5, then he brought him outside and he says to Abram, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said, if you can count the stars, look at all these stars. And he says to him, this is what your descendants will look like. Wow. This is God telling a man, this is what your descendants are going to look, to look like. And he believed in the Lord. 
He believed in the Lord. God gives him a word that is naturally impossible. That he will actually never see. You see. Did you know that you can see God's promise fulfilled and never see God's promise fulfilled at the same time? We'll get, well, maybe we'll get into that later. But Abraham never saw this come to pass, but he did see it come to pass. Because he saw it come to pass in one son named Isaac. And he counted God faithful for the stars in one son. Because a kingdom man sees a seed. He sees God's promise in seed form rather than having to see the tree in fulfillment. He can, a, a kingdom man can call God faithful seeing one son. When the world would say God is not faithful until I see millions of sons. And he believed the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. And then he says to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. And then Abraham begins to talk to the Lord. He begins to question the Lord and all of these things. And let's jump down to uh, verse number 17. Let's, let's look, jump down to verse number 17. And it came to pass... When the sun went down and it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. And on the same day, the Lord, listen to this language now, on the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying, to your descendants, I have given this land. From the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Catamanites. Yes, I'm educated. Thank you. The Hittites, the Perizzites, let's just keep on going. The Rephaim, let's just, it has nothing to do with the story. Let's just keep going. It makes me feel smart when I can pronounce these right. The Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. Thank you. No more questions at this time. God bless you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's all applause is welcome. And, and the Lord again affirms in the heart of this man, you're standing on land I will give to your future. You're standing on land I will hand to your legacy. You're standing on land that I will hand to your posterity. But there's a tension here. There's a tension here because Abraham, as we said earlier, is he's old. He's getting up in age, and his wife is too. And he receives the first promise. When he's 75, and he's, he's receiving it with joy. He's obviously hearing from God. God's going to do this. Anybody ever heard a word from God? And the moment you hear it, it is received with such great joy. I remember, it makes me think of even coming back to when we were here, when I was here before with Apostle D. We were in the tent. The power of God was moving so strongly, and prophetic words are coming forth. And my God, people are getting renamed. And I mean, Lord, we're changing birth certificates and everything. Hallelujah. Just, I mean, just, whoo, whoo, whoo. Things are just swirling and moving. You're just, why? You know, you know what I'm saying? And there's just this excitement in the air, and there's this thing happening, and, and, and you receive those words of prophecy and words of utterance and words of future glory and words of unbelievable promise and words of, of unbelievable future things that are going to happen. God begins to lay out things in the hearts of men and women of what he wants to do and how he wants to do it and the things he's going to do and the way what this house will do and, and, and the people it will reach and the things that he will do in the city of Panama, in, the, in, the, in this city, Panama City, all, all the stuff that God wants to do and how he wants to do it and everybody's shouting and rejoicing and receiving the word with joy just as Abram is hearing from God and saying this thing you're going to have a son oh my God I can imagine him just joy bubbling up in his heart and saying something I've never been able to do that I've wanted to do there's been a desire in my heart to do this I've never been able to do it and God's going to give me the ability to do it and then a month goes by and then two months goes by and then six months goes by and then a year goes by uh, and then two years goes by. Are you here? And then three years goes by. And then four years goes by. And then five years goes by. And then six years goes by. And seven years goes 
And Abraham is doing nothing but getting older. His wife is doing nothing but getting older. And there comes this funky relationship now that happens where they have a weird tension in their relationship between them and time. Yeah, you, ever, you ever lived your life? You ever, you ever heard a word from God and, and you're talking and you're living and you're going, really, I think this is taking a long time. Ever, anybody ever built a home? I had a friend of mine one time. They were building a home, beautiful home. And uh, they, 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 they were people who loved to camp. They had an amazing camper. He, he would put it on his back of his huge dually truck. And they were building a monst monstrosity of a house. And, and they, 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 couldn't, they couldn't build the house and live in their current house at the same time. Their debt-to-income ratio would not allow it. So they have to sell this house to be able to build this house. And when they do that, then they go, well, what are we going to do? So he says, i tell you what we'll do. We, I think we'll be able to knock this out in about six months, and we're going to live in the camper on our family's land while we do that. And I said, no. I smiled at him and said, do you want to know what I really thought? You're an idiot. <laughs> six months goes by. I guess what they're still doing living in the camper. Seven months, eight months, nine months, ten months, they're still living in that camper. Because sometimes things take longer than we want. Sometimes good things take longer than we want. Sometimes legacy things take longer than we want. Sometimes promises from God that are such pregnant with power upon their pronouncement take a while. And now, now Abram is walking through this journey with his wife and they have this funky relationship with time because time is running out, right? Time is running out. They're, I mean, come on, he's 75. He's, now he's looking at 78. Now he's looking at 80. Now he's looking at 85. Now he's looking at 90. And all he has is a promise and there's nothing naturally that says this is going to happen. And he's got this, now he's trying to debate with himself and go, what, I mean, I believe God, but then his wife is starting to get a little, she's starting to get a little antsy. Maybe he had tried to, tried in his own strength and she was getting tired of that. Boy, I can, okay. <laughs> Stay with me, you'll catch me in a minute. And uh, I get it. I get it, you know. You've got this promise from God. You're sitting on this word from God. I would bet that there are people in this room today sitting on a promise from God. I think we're sitting in a promise from God today, right now. I think all of us are sitting on a promise from God as we sit on this land and on this, in this property and in this building. And, and the Lord... Lord gives a great promise, and I can see, I can see the, the frustration of waiting. I can feel the frustration of, of waiting. I, I know what it feels like to have something told to you, and you're waiting and waiting and waiting for something to happen, and it just keeps on not happening. And there's a tension there because we feel like that we're under the lordship of time many times but I've learned something about God God does not exist in time God exists outside of time in fact even the way initially in the, in the original intent he viewed time was not like the way we view time we call morning and night a day he called, day, he called night and morning a day what he called time, what we call time is a different thing. And the Lord, there's a, there's a really interesting passage of scripture in Joel chapter 2 where the Lord says actually he can take years that you lost and actually hand them back to you. What? What? God is so, see God, 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 God is not subject to time. God is above time, outside of time. 
God actually only uses time as a tool. He actually uses time as a tool to purify us. Time is actually not something that should actually cause us to wane in the promises of God. It is actually a tool God uses to purify the dross out of us so that we can see those promises more clearly. Time is your friend. Waiting is your friend. Time is not your enemy. Time is the thing God uses to purify you from the secret doubt that you did not know was in you if it would have happened by now. It is easy to have faith for a short time. It is easy to walk with hope for a short time. But the longer, I've learned something. I've learned, have you ever, you ever noticed this? I've learned something about burdens or even carrying something. Nothing, anybody can carry something for a short time. But you can carry this Bible with your arms stretched out for 10 minutes. But if you hold it for three hours, you begin to get weak. Why? Because even light things become heavy things if you carry them too long. And so he has this promise and he's dealing with time and he's waiting and he's waiting. And I think there's people in this room. You have promises from God and you're waiting 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 and you're waiting. I think this church has promises from God. You know what you're doing? You're waiting. And you're waiting 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 and we're still in the gym. We're still in the gym. And it's beautiful, but we're still in the gym. And we thank God for it and we're still in the gym. And in this gym, they've done a beautiful job with it. Look at this. I mean, the Chris, I mean, it's amazing. Yes, 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 yes. And the sanctuary is what? A storage unit. Hallelujah. Uh-huh. Things that need to be fixed, worked on, and time becomes, time becomes, you, be, you begin to have this interesting relationship with time where you believe something's got to get done by a certain time. But I just want to make, this is very simple what I want to share with you today. I just want to make a very simple announcement. Nothing has to get done before God says so. I, I want to, I you, you individually and you as a people, I would love to be able to set you free from being tethered to the idea of time. Because God can take time you think you lost and hand it back to you supernaturally. And you say, we spent four years wandering in the wilderness. No, you didn't. You spent four years being purified into purpose. You didn't spend four years doing nothing. You spent four or five years doing exactly what God intended for you to do so he could make you exactly who he intended to make you. That when it was time to inherit what he told you you would inherit, you could carry what he told you you would inherit and you would not drop it and it oh listen to me that God would make you and now in chapter 16 starts an interesting story because now now his wife Abram's wife is starting to get frustrated and when you get frustrated with time many times you get offended at God I'm the, maybe I'm the only person God hands you a promise and you go, oh, that was awesome. Man, when I heard that promise, I received it with joy. Oh, man, I was crying, shouting, rejoicing. Now three years has gone by. I hadn't seen a lick of it. Don't lie to me now. And you'll start asking questions. Did I hear that right? Was that guy right? Did he miss it? Did the guy that told it to me? I mean, I know he's a man of God, but I mean, this has taken a while. This has taken a while. And to the point where even now Hagar comes to him. I want you to let's look at this and then I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna finish up and let you go. Let's look at chapter number 16. Now Sarah, or Sarai, Abram's wife, listen what it says about her, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, look at what happens. This is what happens many times when offense over God's timing moves in. The very person who gave you the promise, you begin to doubt his goodness towards you regarding it. And he says, so Sarah said to Abraham, she goes, the Lord has done this. The Lord has restrained me from having children. Please go into my maid and perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarah. This is all I'm trying to get you 
to see today. Very simple. You know this Bible story. It's very simple, what I'm trying to get you to see today. Is that she has a promise from God. This is an, this is an amazing thing. She gets in a hurry. But this has got to happen. I mean, God told us we would take this land. God told us we would take this city. God told us we would impact Panama City. God told us that these things were going to happen. God told us. God spoke to us. God did this. God did this. And if you're not careful, you'll get in a hurry. And when you get in a hurry, you'll start using the arm of your own power to try to make God's word come to pass. Well, we can do it this way. You know what you do? You'll start strategizing and having meetings with people. You'll start strategizing and having meetings. Well, how, I, this is what the Lord said. Now, let's see. How can we do this by this time? What can we do to, 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 to position ourselves, to maneuver, to make this happen? What can we do to see God's promise come to pass? Let me tell you what you can do. Believe it. Just believe it. See, Hagar started saying, time is running out. Time is running out. We've got to get this done quickly. This has got to happen. Now, we've got to get, hey, listen, this property is awesome. We've got to get this finished in the next five years. We've got to, we've got to get some things done around here. God's got to do it, even in your own life. Honey, we've been wanting to build a house. We want to start a business. We've got to get this done. And, there's a, and I'm telling you, I, I, came here, I came here just by the help of the Lord to, to joyfully joyfully warn you, don't get in a hurry. Can anybody hear that today? Don't get in a hurry. Man, I know this is simple. I know it's not third heaven, revelatory, angelic. Okay, I'm just, just a simple word. Don't get in a hurry. Hagar says, Hagar says, you can, you, can, you can have my maidservant and maybe this promise God has given us, we can manufacture through our own effort. And we can make this promise come to pass. You know what happens? He does. And he walks in. And I guess the Luther Vandross worked with Hagar. You can laugh. It's okay. Okay, so maybe you can't laugh. Maybe you're not allowed to laugh. <laughs> and you know the story. You're, 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 you're students of Scripture. You know the story. And he walks in, and because of this uneasy tethering they had to time, they couldn't let God do it in his time. And they step in and they try to make something happen before it's time. And unknowingly to them, what they're doing is they're creating something. Listen to what I'm going to say. This is it's important what I'm going to say. I'm going to let you go in just a second. They're creating something that will war against what God said for thousands of years. There, hear me by the Holy Spirit. Their, oh, their human effort over being frustrated by how long it was taking birthed something that would fight their promise till, till this day. To this day, two young boys became two nations that fight, we're standing here this morning and they fight to this day. All because a woman and a man who were to become a nation got in a hurry to fulfill God's promise before it was time. And their frustration led to a fight that we still deal with. I, I really want to grab each one of you and say, stop getting in God's way 
because you do not like his timing. Because what will be birthed from your effort will fight what God desires to birth. And something will then have to be removed. See, at some point, Ishmael had to get kicked out of Abram's house. Mama said, I'm not letting my promise and this boy grow up together. I'm telling you, listen to me. Oh, thank you, Lord. Something happens when we get in a hurry. And I felt like the Holy Spirit told me this morning, you will create Ishmael's if you stay tethered to time. Well, I've got a five-year goal. I've got a two-year goal. All of that's good. Planning is good. Structure is good. All of that is good. But can you hear me today by the Holy Spirit tell you your planning is good and it is nothing without the, the breath and the wind of God. It is to naught without God's voice speaking you to you now is the time. It is completely naught without the rhema word of God that is the place of provision, breakthrough, help. It is the place where everything you need is contained in the voice of God. Ask Elijah, I'll move you to be, a widow will take care of you by the word of the Lord. I'll let ravens feed you by the word of the Lord. Everything you need is inside the voice of God. And when you get out of that space and you want to move beyond when it is time for you to do something and you want to force God's hand to move before he wants to because you don't realize he's processing something in you that when you do hold the promise you'll be able to hold it for eternity God wanted to make a man a nation but God but the man felt oh listen to me he wanted to become a nation before God had made him the man he wanted God's promise before he wanted God's process and his wife said we can do this, and God will help us. And I felt to tell you today this. This is what I felt to tell you prophetically. You, even you, Pastor Joseph, you will not get in a hurry. I'm saying this over you, not just to you. You will not get in a hurry. Where's my keys player at? She left. She took the baby, didn't she? David? Jump on these keys, man. I wish I was cool enough to wear a hat like David. <laughs> you see, my head is the size of like three giant watermelons. And so, this is a big undertaking you're doing here. I know I'm doing it too. And so often, so often we have these great plans and vision and hopes and dreams. We want to see God. I want to see God touch my city. I live for, I live for revival. It's the only reason I'm alive. If, if, if I don't have revival, I'm a nutcase. Maybe I shouldn't be preaching to you then. Again, this is, we, you got to learn to laugh, people of God. If I'm coming back, they, get, they better learn to laugh, okay. I live for revival. I live for the move of God. I don't, I don't. I, I don't enjoy church that much. But I love the move of God. And I want to see God touch my city. I want to see God touch where I'm at. God, I have these dreams of, of faith. You know, we, we, we walk, we, we, I take people and we walk in our little city where I live. Our little city is about 50,000, 50, 60,000 people. And we walk downtown and we just pray and declare all through downtown. The move of God is coming to this city. We declare, we used to go down there. This is amazing. We used to go down there to our downtown area. It was completely barren. No, it was like a deserted town. It was a mill town 25, 30 years ago. And the mill shut down and the whole, it was a blue collar town and everything. And it was a deserted town. And I would take 30 or 40 of my people and we'd walk down there. And we would, we would declare and tell businesses to come back there. In the last four years, they've invested $350 million in the spots we used to pray. We would tell, we would tell, we would walk around there and you say, that's preachers. No, it's reality. We would walk around there and I would say, there's a business right there. We're going to tell business, we're going to tell this city to be revived. My name, Church City Revival. Not just preachers, we're going to tell this city to be revived financially, in every way. We're going to see God shift the city from an old, deserted town to a garden springing forth with new life. I live, I live for this. I live for this. I live for this. But you know what God asked me when I moved there? 
God asked me, he said, son, see, I took over for my granddad. My granddad was a, was a, was a striking figure. Five foot seven. Little belly on him like this. Right? But an absolute bulldog. Entrepreneur, business owner. Brilliant man. Has patents on his ideas and inventions. Brilliant man. His daddy was a moonshiner. Y'all know what that is? His daddy, my, my great-grandpapa was a moonshiner in the mountains of North Carolina. <clears throat> my great-grandmother was in a wheelchair most of her life. She had polio. And my granddaddy, out of a, out of a, out of a no preaching, no ministry family, became a mighty preacher of, God, of the gospel. Mighty businessman. And we are doing our best to carry on that, that legacy. But he, he was a patriarchal. We did Christmas every year at his house. Massive house. Just, he, he owned multiple log home companies and had a big, I mean, just stone fireplaces about as wide as this stage right here. And just, just, you walked in, it was like, this is home. You know? And then I come along, and I was at my mother and dad's wedding. That's supposed to be funny, too. Maybe it's not. Maybe children out of wedlock is not funny. Okay, sorry, sorry. So, so my, mother, my mother was a preacher's daughter. And she was 18, and she's walking through the mall. And my daddy, my, my jewelry-loving, cologne-wearing, he's not Italian, but you swear you just, just go, just gold everywhere, son. Just, just cologne. I mean, just take a bath in cologne. Just, you know, just walk by, just shirt unbutt down there, you know, like, woo-hoo-hoo, swagger, son. And, and uh, he was working at a little clothing store, and, and, uh, and, and he, he hollered at my mama. He was, he was 20, she was 18, and here I stand today. I was, I was born in April, and my mom and daddy got married in June. And I'm, I'm in the pictures like this. So. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> but when I moved home, I realized, I said, I'm taking, I'm, I'm, I'm filling the shoes of a great man. <clears throat> uh, the Lord, I, I realize I'm filling the shoes of a great man, Lord, and I want to do what you told me to do. And the Lord spoke to me and said, Son, He said, What if everything that you see in your heart and in your head is not for you, but it's for your son or a spiritual son? He basically told me, he said, the great vision that you have, what if you're just a seed in the ground and all you do is pray and believe and fast and preach when nobody wants to hear it and pray when nobody wants to join you and you contend and in a hundred years your city is bursting forth with revival. The Lord asked me, he said, are you okay with that? Are you okay with tending the flame of my presence so that I can give your descendants this land? And so I declare over you, Pastor Joseph, today, I just feel to just say this, this exact verb, you will not get in a hurry and you will not birth Ishmael. You will not get in a hurry and you will not birth Ishmael. You will rest. You will wait. You will watch and you will trust. And the timing of God for everything on this property, the timing of God for that sanctuary, the timing of God for the rest of this group, the timing of God for all of this land that we stand on is exactly that. It's the timing of God. And I, I declare there's no pressure on you. From within, look at me, Pastor Jeffrey, from within or without. 
See, sometimes the church is the woman. It may be that you can be Abraham, and I'm not going to let Hagar tell you, do it this way. So I declare over this house, why don't you close your eyes if you're in this room today. Why don't you close your eyes and just connect with the Lord. As I've declared over your, your leader today, I declare over you, whatever it may be in your life, the promises of God that are resting over you and your family and your businesses and your children. The Lord, we just take the pressure off of this people in every area of their life. We declare that you are the God above all time. And I believe there's been people in this room that feel like they're in a hurry. And I declare over the people in this room that you are not in a hurry and you will not birth Ishmael. Man. Somebody needs to receive this today. If, if you're receiving this, I just feel like it's an act to just lift your hands and worship the Lord. Just lift your hands to Him and tell Him. Just, just lift your hands to Him and receive what is happening to you today. I declare that pressure is coming off of you, whether it be internally or, or, or without, within or without. Pressure is coming off of you today. And I declare to the people in this room that the promises of God are true. They are yes and they are amen. And though the vision may tarry, as he told the prophet, wait for it and it will come to pass. Ooh, though the vision tarry, wait for it and it will come to pass. Though the vision tarry, wait for it and it will come to pass. Though the vision tarry, wait for it and it will come to pass. I declare frustration is coming off of some of you and out. Ooh. Frustration is coming expectation. Well, I'm this age. I'm 25 now. I'm 30 now. I'm 35. I'm 40. I should have this much money. I should be this successful. I should be this. I should be here. I should be this. I should, all of that. All of that is coming off of you. got to have this figured out by now why am I not married by now why am I still single keep playing son why am I not healed by now I've been believing God for a healing for a long time. I hear somebody saying, I've been believing God for a long time to be healed and I'm not here. Listen. Oh, I feel the peace of God. I feel weights coming off of people, burdens coming off of people. It is the anointing that destroys the yoke and removes the burden. I declare, I prophesy to this group of people that you're going to enter a rhythm of rest. You're going to enter a rhythm of rest and you're going to flow. And his anointing, is, his yoke is going to be easy and his burden is going to be light. I speak that especially over you, Miss Eva, as you help your husband lead this church. There's going to be a rhythm of rest on you. Things are going to be easy to you. So I speak refreshing over you today, Eva. Refreshing, a fresh renewal of the Spirit of God. Oh, Mandele, Bodo, Lebo, Shabbat, Sobodo, Lamana, Lama. 
If we can, can we just lift our hands and worship him? He's so kind. He's Yeah, 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 that's right. He's so good. If you want to stand, you can stand. Whatever you want to do, I want to give you freedom right now to respond to the Lord the way you feel to respond to him. Come on, come on. Just respond to him. There's an anointing here. There's a, There's a grace here. There's some of you that are in business. You own your own businesses, and the stress of that business weighs on you more than you would like to admit. But this has got to be this way. This has got to be right. This has got to be... This has got to be this way and we're the only ones doing it. Nobody will help. I'm telling you, if you will lift your hands and worship, I believe God's releasing grace to remove a weight off of you. And if God told you to start it, it will be God that makes it successful. Yes, your hard work can partner with Him. But it, He, you are not Jaira. He is Jaira. Come on, that's right. Just look at the Lord is releasing some things off of some people. This morning, this morning, God is releasing some things off of people this morning. If you would, would you open up your mouth and worship Him? Can you do that? Can you just open your mouth and worship Him? Thank you for listening to the Tribe Podcast. To learn more about us, please visit our website at tribechurch.com.